Welcome to the Bold Money Revolution podcast. This is your source for straight-talking, no-fluff, business and high-performance conversations that add real depth and value to the way bold leaders live, work, and thrive. I'm your host, Tara Newman. I'm here to show you how to optimize your performance as a leader so that you can grow a business that is profit-rich, efficient, and allows you to generate real tangible wealth for yourself and others. We are here to help you lead with your values, to perform without overwhelm and burnout, and to do your most important work in the world. Hey, it's Tara here. Want to know how to ensure your business is profitable so you can pay yourself like the expert you are? For starters, you have to have a plan. You have to plan for it. Yep, no winging it aloud when it comes to how you're going to keep more of your money. Profit is a habit. I've made it easy for you by creating a calculator that will take you from your personal financial needs to exactly how much revenue you need to make that happen. It couldn't be easier. Then we automatically tell you how much money you need in order to pay yourself, pay your taxes, and invest in your business. It is that simple. Our revenue goal calculator is built on the principles of profit first, which creates a robust and manageable system for running a bold profit business to create that financial peace of mind you're after and to make your big money plans become reality. You'll want to make sure that your business is set up to fuel your financial goals, a plan to fuel your financial goals. That's pretty damn sexy, ain't it? Take the first step today by downloading our revenue goal calculator to get started. Head on over to theboldleadershiprevolution.com forward slash revenue or text revenue to 415-528-7403. That's text revenue to 415-528-7403 and get your hands on our free resources to get you started. I'll even walk you through it. I'm so excited to help you make sure that your business is creating financial security for you and your family. Head on over to theboldleadershiprevolution.com forward slash revenue to get started right now. Hey, hey, bold leaders. Welcome to the Bold Money Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Tara Newman. And today we are covering what? it looks like to pay yourself at the various stages of business. And really, there's no one way to do this at all. But what I think would be helpful is if maybe I share with you my journey and my experience paying myself at these different levels. So maybe that kind of jogs something for you. Maybe it elicits some curiosity, a question, a different way to think about things or what have you. So I look at the different stages of business through the lens of pre-startup. That is, you, you know, you got an idea and you're just getting it underway. You're validating it. You're doing your market research. You're testing an offer. Startup, you have the offer. You are selling the offer. And now you are working on progressing to selling the offer multiple times and those very beginning stages of iteration while you're setting up some of those other things in your business like bank accounts and is it going to be an LLC or an S-corp or any of those kinds of things. Then you have growth. So now you have been doing this for a bit and you are starting to grow and you're meeting new challenges as your business grows. Growth phase is very, very messy. 
It's a lot of work. There is research that shows most businesses don't actually get out of the growth phase, which is very upsetting and disappointing and discouraging to me because that's really where you're going to burn out. It's just a lot of grinding through that growth stage. Then there is what I call stabilize. And I think a lot of people forget about this stabilize phase before you hit scale. Stabilize is really about just cleaning up the mess you made in growth, really eliminating things that are complicated, really doing, looking to do less and delete and to automate so that if you decide you want to scale, you are adding revenue without adding a lot of expense. That is technically the definition of scaling. It's not more, 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 because the way we often see scaling portrayed in the online business space is very expensive, the way they scale. And they wind up adding a lot more expenses on top of adding a lot more revenue to the point where it almost doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense. Personally, I like hanging out in that stabilized phase. Phase It feels really grounding. You kind of scale more slowly through that, get your bearings, watch your cash flow, and you can monitor when things are starting to get a little too expensive for the additional revenue. And then there's legacy. And legacy is like you, you've been doing this a long time. You've done it. You've built the thing. Maybe you've even delegated the majority of it, you're really stepping back and just kind of the visionary and like working on the strategy parts of the business, but other people are running your business. This is actually a pretty rare place to get to. I've got a couple of clients in this area now. And there's just, you know, that's where you start to wonder about like what you're going to be doing next with your with your life and with the wealth that you've created through the years of owning and operating the business. So Let's talk about what it looks like to pay yourself through those phases. The first thing that I want to say is starting a small business actually is a really privileged thing to do because you are never guaranteed a paycheck when you own a small business. You are never guaranteed that you are going to be able to pay yourself. And I don't know a lot of people who are really able to be in that position when you maybe are a single mom. Now, I'm not saying single moms don't start businesses. They absolutely do. Um, but it's there's a lot more challenge when you think about it through that lens, through the lens of somebody who absolutely has to have a paycheck coming in, right? And so I started my business, and like a lot of people, there was a lot of privilege here in the sense that We have two people in my home who are working. Both John and I work and earn a salary. We have our entire lives prioritized making money, making more money. Not necessarily like killing ourselves and grinding and working hard, but making more money from the perspective of being really intentional about the skill set we have, making sure that we build up skills that are highly valued, that generate cash, sales skills, for example, My husband tends to be in a really niche type industry, which allows him to command a much higher pay scale. When I was in undergraduate, I was studying to go to school for clinical psychology. And you have to work really hard to get a degree in a PhD in clinical psychology. The schools are really selective. They don't take a lot of people into their graduate programs. So you have to do a 
a tremendous amount of volunteering and other work and, you know, your GRE scores have to be really great. And so it was a very intense undergraduate career for me, preparing myself to go and get my PhD in clinical psychology back. This is back. I graduated from undergrad in 1998. And at that time I had been talking to a lot of therapists and stuff like that. And they were really struggling with insurance at the time. They were struggling with having a PhD, but the insurance companies really wanting to send people to social workers or people with master's degrees. It sounded to me, and I don't know if there's any truth to this, this is just what I've heard from those PhDs at the time, was that they were really looking to be able to pay these social workers and the people with master's degrees less than they would pay a PhD clinical psychologist. And when I interviewed for the school that was wanting to accept me at the time, I laugh now when I say this, but it was like $100,000 for seven years of school. <laughs> that's, that's like four, four years of a state school these days. Um, anyway, it was $100,000 for seven years of school. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm going to pay $100,000. I'm going to go to school for seven years. I'm going to kill myself writing a dissertation. And I'm going to come out and be arguing with insurance companies and making a really low wage. So I put the kibosh on that because that just didn't seem like the math added up. And instead, I combined my love of business with my love of psychology. And I went to school and I got my degree in industrial organizational psychology. And then what happened was I had taken a year off between undergrad and graduate school to kind of figure that out. I pissed my dad off. He really wanted me to be Dr. Tara. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And that really irritated him. So, you know, I took a year off to figure out what I was going to do. And I went back, uh, I went and got a job. I was working as an administrative assistant in uh, contracts. I was in a contracts department, talk about dry and boring work. And I got promoted to a junior contract administrator within my first year there. And I was making about $28,000. It's 1999, 1998-99. I was making about $28,000. And I started grad school. And the first semester in grad school, uh, these interns who were working for a boutique consultant came in to see if they could drum up any interns in the first year program because this consultant liked taking interns in the first year so she could keep them the first year and the second year and the attention that she put into training them really would pay off. And this woman was known for developing the highest paid, you know, graduates that she had connections in all the fortune 500, 100 companies, and they would go off and work for Colgate Palmolive, Bristol Myers Squibb, PepsiCo, you know, all the, all the big names in the New York City area. But she was also known to be quite a beast. She was very direct in her feedback, and she was very cutting, and she was known to be a little bit difficult to work for and demanding and had very high expectations. So not a lot of people wanted to go and take that internship. It sounded too hard. However, your girl here raised her hand very high, very quickly, very fast. And I was like, I will take that internship. But what that meant was that I would have to quit my job paying $28,000 a year. I was just about to get married too. 
and go work for her for $10 an hour, commuting from where I lived on Long Island to where she lived in Greenwich, Connecticut, which was about an hour and a half if we were lucky, uh, one way. So three hour commute a day, you know, paying for gas. Now I lost my medical benefits, so I would have to pay COBRA. So right, like this is like, wow, like this is a big, big decision. And I was all in. I was living with my husband at the time. We were planning our wedding. I think we were just engaged. And he was like, okay. He's like, this is what you're going to do. And I did it. And I quit my fairly, to at the time, lucrative job where I worked less than a mile from my home and had flexible work hours even back then to go and work for this woman who was going to torture me in Connecticut for $10 an hour. Sounds totally normal, right? And normally her interns stay with her for, you know, the full time. And I I would have, should have been there for two years, but she was concerned um, because I was a more mature student in the sense that I had already been out in the working world, that I had quit a job to come work for her. And she was concerned. So she really accelerated my development through her internship. And within nine months, she got me a job working for one of our clients where I then made $56,000 a year. So within about a year time frame, I pretty much doubled what I was making by willing to take that really big risk. And so I'm sharing this to say this is pretty much how I've prioritized making money and keeping my pay up so that I could have the cash flow both in my personal life and in my business to build and create wealth. So when I went and decided to start this business, this wasn't the first time I'd taken a leap like this, right? I already had this belief that when I do big leaps like this, they double my earning potential. They really pay off for me. And so I said to my husband, like I said to him that time when I was taking that internship, you know, I'm going to start this business. I'm going to work my corporate job for as long as I can, and then we'll make a decision. So I started this business and through pre-startup and startup, I was working a full-time job. I took everything that I earned in the business and I reinvested it into myself, into my skills, into learning how to sell, into learning how to create my offers, into learning how to price my programs, into doing the work around my emotions and my mindset. There was a lot of Reiki and energy work at this time that I was investing in for myself, a lot of my own healing a lot of, you know, making me the healthiest version of me that I could be, considering one of the reasons why I was starting my job was because I was so chronically ill at the time. So even though I was chronically ill, I did both. I worked for almost a year while running the business. And then I left because I got to the point where I could not continue to grow the business from the couch (laughs) in the corner of of Starbucks, from the closet, from the car, like I was doing while I was working full-time, raising two kids, class mom that year too, because I'm a glutton for punishment. 
right? And so after that, I said to my husband, I said, okay, I need a year. I need you to give me a year where you provide me some air cover. I'm not going to be paying myself. I'm going to continue to invest in myself and in the business. And after that year is up, we're going to talk and I'll start to pay myself at that point. So year two in my business, I again did not pay myself because I was relying on my husband to support us. I had supported us when he started his business. I felt like it was my time. I felt like I was, I earned that right and I was going to ask for it. And during that time, it was not comfortable. It was the first time in my life where I was not able to actually provide for myself on my own. I had worked my whole life. I'd worked since I was 15, 16 years old. And it was the first time for me that I didn't have any of my own money. And I had to really learn. It was great because I had to really learn how to not be in shame or judgment about that, how to not be self-critical, and really just how to receive what he was willing to give me as we made this commitment together. So by my third year in business, I started paying myself. And I just started to pay myself small amounts every month consistently right? That's where I started. Like, let me get used to building this muscle because that's what it is. Paying yourself is like building a muscle. You have to put in the reps. There was all this fear around the uncertainty of knowing when money was coming in, not knowing when money was coming in. Would I be able to, you know, continue to to pay myself? Was this really going to work? Was this really going to be a viable way for me to earn a living? And so on and so forth. So what I did was I let some money pool up in my account. So say I let $2,000 pool up in my account, and then I would start paying myself $500 a month. And I knew that I already had $2,000 in there. I already had money that was what we call aged sitting there that if one month I couldn't pay myself, I could pull from the money that was already saved and sitting in that account. And once I was able to do that over and over and over again, I built this, this muscle, but I also built a lot of self-trust. I said I was going to pay myself $500 a month, and I did. And then I was like, okay, what would it be like? Because my biggest complaint about working in corporate was the crappy 3% increases, right? They're still probably giving those today, and they don't even come close to scratching the surface of inflation. So we really have an opportunity here as small business owners to do better for ourselves than we did when we were working in a traditional nine to five. But are you bold enough to do better for yourself Are you willing to take that risk? Are you willing to do what it takes to give yourself a 10% increase every year? Are you willing to be consistent in your actions to go out and sell every day so that you can give yourself these bigger and bigger increases? Because that's what it takes. So I really challenged myself and I leaned into giving myself an increase. It was probably something like 5% at the time right? Because again, we're building the muscle. Now we have to build the muscle of increasing our pay. And as I started to trust myself, as my business grew, as my business gained momentum from the consistency and everything like that, I was able to take bigger and bigger paychecks. And for the last probably five years, I've been consistently paying myself way more than I ever would have if I was in 
my traditional nine to five. It doesn't make sense anymore for me to go back and consider getting a job for somebody else because not only did I pay myself like that over the last five years, but I've been consistently building my wealth to buy myself out of future work. So a huge financial goal for me is to be financially independent and not reliant on having to work within seven years. I am five to seven years. I'm 46. So by the time I'm in my early 50s, I want to be completely done with needing to work. Call it retired, call it with whatever you want, but that's where I want to be. And not only do I want to be there, but I want my husband to be there. And this was a goal that we set for ourselves Shortly after 2020, he owns a manufacturing business, and it's a grind, especially right now. Uh, He's been slogging through two years of inflation. He's been slogging through two years of supply chain issues that aren't getting any better. As a matter of fact, they're getting worse. If you look at what's happening in the news with China between their zero uh, tolerance COVID lockdowns and their support of Russia and the supply chain issues that are over there. I'm not suspecting this is going to get much better with the way we've created an over-reliance for our consumer products and for our products that aid our manufacturing here as a country. And then on top of that, the labor shortage that we're having, and he's done. He's 49 and he's like, I'm done right? And so this is our big, big financial goal is to be accelerating our plan for, I guess, what some people would call retirement, but for us, we're calling financial independence, where at any time we could just be like, yeah, we're out. We're not, we're not doing this anymore. Or um, we have some plans around what work optional looks like for us in the next few years. Right. So everything that I have been earning has been going towards really increasing our our ability to do that. By the way, if you want to know how to do this, your financial independence is a number. You would look at how much money you need to live on in retirement. Usually that's 20 to 30 percent less than you're currently living on. And you would multiply that by 25. So if you wanted to live on $100,000 a year in retirement, you would multiply that by 25 and you would roughly need to have $2.5 million invested. So really that's what we're going on. We're going on right now paying down our debt and meaning our mortgage. I have a car. I just bought my car. So I've got my car payment and then increasing our investments to the point where they can support us uh, however minimally or maximally we want that to look like in the next five to seven years. So that is why you want to be steadily increasing your pay. And I think having a really strong why also contributes to what paying yourself at each of these levels looks like right? This is a commitment to your self-care. This is a commitment to your financial well-being. This is a commitment to the lifestyle that you want to live at any of these stages in business. And it's unlikely that in pre-startup and startup, you're going to be paying yourself. 
You're going to need to be really on your money. You are going to need to invest in things. It does cost money to run a business. However, the quicker that you can get out of those stages, and that is entirely up to you, and honestly, your mental and emotional stuff, um, the quicker you can get out of those phases, the quicker you can make money, the quicker you can be paying yourself. I will say that out of the dozen or more conversations I've had with people in the last week around the biggest bottleneck in their business in terms of hitting their revenue goal, it's been their pricing and their willingness to make sales. To the point where I've had to say to folks, listen, based on your pricing, your revenue goal is not attainable, which means you are not ever going to be able to pay yourself what you want to pay yourself. And your resistance to selling your services and really building that skill and learning that skill above marketing, right? Everybody's focused on the marketing, but it's the selling that actually converts the lead to a sale. So when I see people over-focusing on marketing and not putting any prioritization on actually converting the lead, that's another real bottleneck between you and achieving the revenue goal you need to pay yourself and to give yourself increases along the way. So I hope that this was helpful in kind of painting a picture of what it looks like to pay yourself at the different stages in your business. I hope that you feel like this was honest and transparent content that gave you a perspective shift or has allowed you to look at the situation with a little more curiosity. If you found this podcast valuable, help us develop more bold leaders in the world by sharing this episode with your friends, colleagues, and other bold leaders. Also, if you haven't done so already, please leave a review. I consider reviews like podcast currency, and it's the one thing you can do to help us out here at the Bold Leadership Revolution HQ. We would be so grateful for it. Special thanks goes to Stacey Harris from Uncommonly More, who is the producer and editor of this podcast. Go check them out for all your digital marketing and content creation needs. Be sure to tune into the next episode to help you embrace your ambition and leave the grind behind.